it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. Hey everyone, it's Brandy. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I absolutely enjoy bringing this awesome content to you. Look, beauty professionals, this show is for you. And I want to make sure we can continue to bring our awesome guests and awesome information to help empower the beauty community all over the world. You can help by doing your part in making a small donation. You can check our link in the show notes and donate right on Anchor, or we'll have another link available for you to do so. Thank you so much for supporting. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you're sharing it as well. As always, stay great. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I am super excited to share today's episode with you. I had the pleasure in interviewing Cherie Walker. Cherie is a phenomenal hairstylist. She's a podcaster and author. And we just had a great conversation just really talking about uh, the beauty industry, business tips for salon owners, um, you know, hairstylist things, our experiences. I should have called this one Shop Talk, really, but it was a really great conversation. And I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. She dropped some great gems and it was just awesome. So definitely tune in. Here's a little bit of Cherie's bio. Cherie Walker is the business savvy beauty pro. She graduated from Michigan State University holding a bachelor's degree in retailing and her master's degree in business administration. She is a licensed cosmetologist and salon suite owner of seven years. Owning Savvy Beauty Studio, the Savvy Stylist Podcast, and the Savvy Salon Academy. Through the Savvy Salon Academy, which is a digital business hub for beauty pros, she teaches new beauty pros how to grow and retain their clientele using social media strategies and good old-fashioned customer service tactics. I think you're really going to love this one, guys, and here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandy Taylor, and we have an awesome guest today, Cherie Walker. Welcome, Cherie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on. So, Cherie, tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. Well, um, one thing about me is my mom, when I was a kid, my mom taught me how to sew. So, I actually love sewing. I had put sewing to the side prior to um, COVID, but I actually picked it back up when I had a family member reach out to me and ask me if I was going to be making masks. And I was like, hmm, I hadn't even thought about that. But since I started making masks again, now I just sew. It's, it's my hobby. So it's good to see something. Like if I have a vision in my mind and I actually see it through from beginning to end, uh, that's just something that I like to do. I, I, it's, I wouldn't call it fun, but it's more relaxing for me. Like therapeutic for you? Yeah, it's another talent that I have that most people don't know that I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. You know, um, hobbies are good. And I think many times, especially if we're entrepreneurs and things or mothers and everything, we get away from that. Like we're so caught up in working you know, yes. parenthood and everything else that you have going on that we get away from doing something that we enjoy doing or something that is just therapeutic for us. So I think that's yeah. great that you have reconnected with sewing and you found something that you can get into again. So that's awesome. Yes. Yes. It's definitely that something that is for me, something mm-hmm. that I take the time to do just for me. Exactly what you said. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and everything. Well, I can tell you more so like how I got involved with becoming a hairstylist. I was always drawn to hair and beauty. And growing up, my mom, she would spend like hours in the salon getting her hair done. And she'd come home and hate her hair. So instead of her telling the stylist that she didn't like her hair, she would just have me redo her hair. And at the time, as a kid, like I really hated it. Like, mom, why didn't you tell this person that you didn't like your hair? But little did I know, she was really like training me to become a hairstylist. 
I started like really doing hair. So once I got to, I would say middle school, I was doing my friend's hair in the gym. You know, when we would have recess, I was doing braids on people's hair. And then when I got to high school, I was doing my friend's hair in the bathroom and in the basement, not knowing that one day I would become a full-time hairstylist. But I ended up going to college, got my degrees, and I was let go from my last employment when I was working in corporate. So, and I had, I was a single mom also at the time. So I had a son who was in daycare from sunup to sundown because I was working in corporate. So when I was let go, I was like, you know what? I'm going to pursue hair full time. And that way I'll have more time for my son and for myself. And I would be, you know, my own boss and control my schedule and control my income. So I started going to Paul Mitchell, the school. And because I had already, you know, I, I have my bachelor's degree and my master's degree. So I had exhausted my financial aid options. So when I got to Paul Mitchell, they basically was like, you know, you don't qualify for financial aid. So you would have to pay cash. And me being a single mom, I couldn't do that. So I left Paul Mitchell and I pursued an, not an internship, apprenticeship, a cosmetology apprenticeship. And the first apprenticeship I had didn't work out. Uh, (laughs) So thankfully I ended up, uh, it was a hair salon next door to the nail salon that I used to go to. And I just called the owner one day, her name is Lamaria Huddleston. And I asked her if she would be willing to do an apprenticeship for me. And she she agreed. Like this woman didn't know me from Adam and she agreed to it. And I was her apprentice for two years and I worked under her and I earned my cosmetology license. So after I finished my apprenticeship, I immediately went into a suite. So I've been a licensed cosmetologist and suite owner for seven years. Wow, wow. That's interesting that you immediately went into a suite. Um, but maybe were, did she help you build your clientele or what was that process like starting out? Now, starting out, um, because I was now I, I forgot to mention when I was working in corporate, I was doing hair on the side. So I had a few clients who were, you know, loyal to me, some of my coworkers that came every two weeks. So I had a handful of clients. Um, and then when I was in the salon with Lamaria, I would do walk-ins and most of those walk-ins stayed with me. So I would say, yes, she did help me build my clientele because I was given all the walk-ins and, you know, when they sit in your chair, you want to talk to them and build rapport. So they'll come back. Yes. Yes. So, um, it's interesting. The reason why I said it was interesting because the sweet thing is really popular now. Now you've been in the suite for seven years, but I know now it's like one on every corner. Like there's a sola, there's a this and that, and there's one on every corner. And uh, um, most often, like I will go and speak at cosmetology schools and these young ladies would think like, soon as I graduate, I'm going to go right into a suite. And I know you were able to do it after apprenticeship, but your situation was different. You had a clientele, you know, um, a faithful clientele, small clientele, but you had somewhat of a clientele. And then you were able to carry over some of the clients from that salon. But what would you recommend for someone who's just starting out? Would you recommend that route or what is some advice you would give someone who's starting out in your hair journey? Yeah. Fresh out of cosmetology school, if you do not have a solid clientele that can maintain the cost associated with having a suite, I would not suggest that you do that. Um, Yeah, you definitely need to be building your clientele while you're in beauty school. So even when you get out, like if you're in a traditional beauty school and you're out on the floor and you're getting those walk-ins, you need to build relationships and start building your clientele. I would say to go to a traditional salon, maybe even a commission salon, before going out on your own because you there's a lot of cost associated with having you know your own suite you're basically your own you're a business owner at the end of the day and a lot of the cost as far as buying products um the weekly suite rent is more expensive than a booth rent would be 
you need to really look at all of those costs before just jumping right into a suite. I would agree with that. I think most often people don't count up the costs that it takes to operate in business. And I see it a lot in the beauty industry. Um, like I said, I see it all the time. Some people think that they're going to, you know, graduate from cosmetology school and open a salon. Like, <laughs> where is that money going to come from? And, you know, you barely have a clientele or a license yet, but you already think that. And I don't know what that is about this industry where people see dollar signs and they think that they're automatically going to be successful in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that a lot of um, newbies, not even just in the beauty industry and life period, people want to, to get to the end of it right away. Like there's a whole process that goes into getting to the end result and getting to the bag or the money. Like you have to put in the work really. Like you can't just jump right in head first and think, Oh yeah, I'm going to make all this money. It takes time. It takes time. Like I was in my apprenticeship for two years and I had been doing hair on the side when I was working a job probably five years. So that was seven years of me building a clientele before I even went and got my license and before I went into a suite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you've been into, you've been in, in this industry for seven years and well licensed and in your own suite for seven years and you have a successful business. Um, what do you think has contributed to your success in your beauty business? I firmly believe that the level of professionalism that I offer my clients has contributed to my success. Uh, One of the things that I don't like about, um, or one of the negative things that are said about our industry is particularly for black women in the black salons that black hairstylists are unprofessional. We're untimely. Uh, you know, we, we double book and we have all these unrealistic expectations as far as, you know, people making deposits and stuff like that. It's a lot of things that just from me working in corporate that I learned to apply in my beauty business. So being punctual is important to me. And even if I am, you know, running behind schedule, I'll let my next client know in advance so that, you know, she needs to go run an errand, she can go do so, or she needs to reschedule or whatever, how it is. I have to be courteous to my clients because time is money, not only for me, but for them as well. So I think that the level of professionalism and my timeliness, and then even like with my suite, as far as my decor and the ambiance that I have there, they, they love coming. So for a lot of my clients, coming to, to my suite is an escape from, you know, their everyday life, from their husbands, from their kids, you know, how all that goes. Great. So it sounds like you create an experience. And yes. I love that you said that if you're running behind, you reach out to your client, let them know you set the right expectations. And I want to talk about something <laughs> that I think you're going to really relate. This happened to me this year. We'll just say that. Okay. okay. So I got my hair done and I, I had to go to a new girl cause my other girl stopped doing hair. So mm-hmm. I used to, I used to get this particular style that I liked a particular way. And I went to the new girl. It was fine, but it just wasn't as full as I would like it. So I couldn't figure out like why my hair wasn't as full as I would like it. So I was just kind of talking to her, trying to figure out, like, maybe we need to separate the hair and the hair more or what we need to do. So we figured out what it was, is that my previous stylist was separating my hair more and, you know, doing different things. Well, um, we started a few minutes behind and, um, as you know, she had to, you know, the, with the new thing, she had to clean and everything and she was cleaning when I got there. So we started a few minutes behind. That was fine. And... When we had discussed what was needed to get my hair the way I wanted, she was like, okay, cool. But I think as she was doing my hair, time went by and her other client came. And so she let the other client in and the other client, you know, was there and and she was telling the other client, like, it's going to be 20 minutes, you know, but to look at my hair, it was clearly going to be about an hour or so, right? (laughs) So she didn't set the right expectations. And then because the other client is, is sitting in the lobby waiting, she's very now anxious. She's mm-hmm. trying to move fast with me. 
And then she tells me that she's not going to be able to finish doing my hair the way I would like it, you know, and maybe if I could, I come back or whatever. So I basically was kicked out, you know, like she basically really rushed to complete my hair and wanted to get me out of there so she could do this other lady. She was so worried about her next client that she forgot about me, the most important client, the one in her chair. Mm -hmm. She forgot about me. And I don't think she's a bad person or anything. She's always booked and she's great at what she does. But that was very, very unprofessional. And I have been knowing this young lady for a while. So I told her, I think she felt bad because she texted me like, I hope you like your hair. And oh my God, you didn't have to tip me and refunded me the tip and all types of stuff. So when you know your customer service is bad, when you refund somebody the tip and they didn't ask you to. You know, yeah, you know, it's bad when you refund it to me and ask you to. And then, you know, I let her know that I felt like I was kicked out. (laughs) You know, like I feel like I was kicked out because the other lady came. You just your whole demeanor changed when the other lady came. But what you should have done was set the right expectations for the other lady. Let her know, like, I'm about an hour and a half behind. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to reschedule, I completely understand or if you have something else you can do, you, you're going to want to come back in about a good hour and a half. Yes. And I think sometimes people are afraid to tell people that. I don't know. Why do you think that is? Why do you think the stylists are afraid to be honest with their clients and set the right expectations? Yes. I think it's because they don't want to lose that client. So even though like you were in her chair and she essentially kicked you out, she did it in a way where she felt like, you may still come back. That's the, that's what I kind of got from it, but she doesn't want to lose. Like, I don't know if that other lady was a loyal client who's been coming for years. It could have been some history there and she didn't want to lose that client. She's trying to be too many things to too many people almost. So like that, that example right there is a prime example of why I call my clients or text my clients in advance to let them know because I'm a person who has high anxiety. So if I'm working on a client and someone is sitting there looking at me like, girl, when are you going to do my hair? That makes me feel like how she felt like, oh my God, let me hurry up and do this lady. So I, I, I don't like that kind of pressure. So I'd rather let you know up front, like, hey, I'm running 20 minutes, 30 minutes behind. Um, you know, if you want to go grab some coffee or something and, and, and I'll text you. Because now I text my clients before they can come in because of COVID. So it just makes it easier on me. And I believe that my clients appreciate me letting them know, like I'm, I'm running behind. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, even when you let them know, it's like, oh, I, I need to get back on schedule or back on, you know, my, my time frame. But I think people do that because they don't want to lose their clients. They're trying to get as many clients and make as much money as possible. And you're only human. You're just one person. So sometimes mistakes happen or you run behind schedule and it's best to just be upfront and, and let the clients know. Yep. I would absolutely agree with that because she did lose a client. She lost me. Yeah. And I'm a good client. I tip clearly. And, you know, and it was crazy because I didn't even think about the tip. I just paid what I paid before because I was and the tip was included in that. Because honestly, that wasn't a tip worthy service because my hair was finished, but it wasn't the way I wanted it. And I felt rushed. And then my experience was uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think, you know, stylists really need to realize, like, you're creating an experience. Like you said, when they come to your uh, suite, it's the ambience, it's the experience. And we have to remember that. And yeah. I think sometimes um, I see often in our community that we lose sight of customer service. We lose sight of that customer experience and why they come to us in the first place. Yeah. So let's talk okay. about that a little bit. What do you, how do you feel about that? That's actually, I'm glad you, you mentioned that because I am currently uh, working with the end in mind. And when I say that, I'm thinking about my retirement. You know, like I'm not going to be working behind the chair forever. And with that, I have launched the Savvy Salon Academy. And my main focus with the Savvy Salon Academy is to teach beauty professionals, primarily new beauty professionals, that 
customer service is important. Customer service will create great relationships with your clients and those clients will keep coming back and those clients will refer more clients and that will build you a solid clientele and you'll have solid income. Like customer service is so important to me because I like to be treated well when I go get my hair done or when I go get an oil change or when I go get anything, grocery shopping, whatever. If I, if my customer service experience leaves a bad taste in my mouth, like I don't even want to spend my money with you. So I want, especially in our, in our industry and within our culture, I want there to be a shift from, you know, black salons are unprofessional. They're not clean. They're not timely to, wow, I had a great experience at her salon. It was clean. She was on time. Like, I want to change the narrative. Yes, I would agree. And I've heard people say that stylists are rude. Mm -hmm. And sometimes on social media, I can agree with this. I've seen in all caps, like maybe they've had a bad day. I've seen stylists where maybe they had, they must have had several cancellations back to back. So it's like from now on, you have to pay a deposit. It's like, wow, okay, a deposit. Or no children at all. Or, you know, and I'm like, okay, if I was interested in your services and you're posting all these like very, you know, uh, strong comments, it is a little rude. Yes. Posting yes. on social media. I don't think a lot of them realize that. I see this quite often across the beauty yes. industry, period. Yes. And I, f I firmly believe like there's a way to say things like that. So like for my clients within my, my salon suite, I send out monthly newsletters. So if there is an issue going on, like right now, okay, because of COVID, I would prefer for my clients to wash their hands when they enter my suite. But, you know, sometimes when they walk in and we're like, hey, how you doing? It's been a minute. I haven't seen you. We, we you know, the hand washing gets lost in conversation. So in my newsletter, I'll say, friendly reminder, please wash your hands, use hand sanitizer when you enter the suite, something like that. But it's a way to say it without coming off as being rude. So I think we need to get creative in how we cr communicate with our clients, because I don't think that it's appropriate to make announcements like that on your social media page, personally. That's not how you should be communicating with your clients because there's, like you said, if you're interested in their services and they say something like that, it turns you off. So mm -hmm. you're trying to talk to your existing clients, but really you're losing potential clients. Right. Right. Definitely. Like I told one of my, I coach, um, primarily hairstylists, but beauty professionals, but I attract a lot of hairstylists for some reason. Mm -hmm. And one of my hairstylists, she's a great stylist, and she's actually uh, booked out, but her income level isn't exactly where she wants it to be. So that's what I've been working with her on. And the other day, she posted on social media something like, I'm trying to figure out how not to book new clients because I don't want to take any more clients, <laughs> right? And I'm thinking, like, that's not how you go about that. Why would you post that as a business owner? on social media. I think um, maybe even an etiquette class would be great. Just learn mm -hmm. proper etiquette because I think that's what it is. That, oh, that's a great opportunity there. Mm -hmm. Etiquette class. Yes. Yeah. It has me thinking of that because I just think it's etiquette because I'm like, well, if I'm looking to work with you and I follow you and you're posting like, I don't want to take any more clients. I don't think it's that you don't want to take any more clients because honestly, you're booked, but you're not at the income level you want to be at. So you do want to get more clients. You want to get more of the clients that are going to be willing to pay your rates as you increase them. Mm -hmm. But you don't want to like get to the point where nobody's interested in working with you or trying to book with you. So you saying things like that can turn people out. That's just like making these huge announcements when you've had a bad day can turn people off. And mm -hmm. that's why I still live by that old saying, like if you don't have anything good to say, then don't say anything okay. at all. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've been there, I did lash extensions. I and when I first started doing lash extensions, I didn't charge a deposit. I had a Saturday where I was booked out and I had three cancellations, and I still had quite a few clients to handle that particular day. 
But what it did was it threw my whole day off because my day was spread out to give me enough time. And mm-hmm. so I had this huge gap in between and then I still had to work and I could have probably fit those clients in sooner if I hadn't had all these um, morning cancellations. And so I didn't go on Instagram and say, from now on, everybody's going to have to pay a deposit. <laughs> I just, you know, let it be known. I just updated my booking system and I put it in there. I put a new policy in place mm-hmm. and I sent out a newsletter, like you said, to my current clients letting them know to secure the appointment, this is what you have to do. Yeah. And so there's just a proper way to do that. And I'm glad that you're teaching these type of types of things to us, uh, you know, stylists that are starting out so that they can, you know, run their business properly, make sure they're offering proper customer service and setting the right expectations for the clients. And I really, the reason why I do what I do is because I really know that this is a great industry and beauty can be life changing for people. Mm-hmm. And it's a big thing and it's a multi billion dollar industry. And most often people of color are not really benefiting from it like we could. And, and that could like we should, and that, that, that could be because we don't have the proper customer service, the cleanliness, the etiquette, all of those things. What do you think about that? I totally agree. I completely agree. And then I wanted to piggyback kind of on what you were talking about uh, with the one stylist saying that she didn't want to accept any new clients. Like that, I'm not accepting new clients thing. It's kind of touchy for me. And with me having seven years of experience, I will tell you this. Clients are always accepting new stylists. They can love you to death. They could love how you do their hair, but it might be someone else who knows how to do color better or who knows how to cut better. So I don't, I just don't like that whole big announcement. Like I'm not accepting new clients like, oh, I've arrived. So, you know, I don't take new clients <laughs> because you, you need to realize that the clients are accepting new stylists and you need to still be available to people. Even if you're booked, have a waiting list. Give yourself some room for growth because people, I'm telling you, they they will love you to death and still leave. And it's not personal. It's it's just business. Mm -hmm. And I think that in our industry like that, that too is a turnoff for some potential clients. But like you said, we are missing out on the true greatness of the industry because we're not offering, some of us are not offering the level of customer service that is necessary you know, to be truly be successful in this industry. So what are some things that you feel can be done differently within the industry? Like, can you give us like some tips on on ways that we can improve how we do business? Yeah. So going back to the monthly newsletters that I send out, um, now everybody is pretty much booking their appointments online. And in order to do that, you're capturing their emails. So what you should start doing is building your email list. So take all of those emails out of your appointment system, transfer them into a platform, something like ConvertKit or Flowdesk, and create monthly newsletters to communicate with your clients. And when you communicate with your clients, don't just go off on them about, you know, how they need to make deposits or they need to do this and they need to do that. Like sprinkle some love in that newsletter, you know. Let them know that you appreciate them. You appreciate their business. Offer some giveaways. Um, if you're selling retail, you know, have a, have a sale every now and then. We should learn how to properly communicate with our clients. <laughs> and then also that could lead into, because again, like I said, I'm starting, I'm working with the end in mind. So you may, you know, write an ebook on how to care for your hair at home or something like that. And when you want to sell that ebook, you can sell it to your email list. Um, If you're having some type of training or virtual training online about how to do something, pretty much you can go on YouTube for most anything, but your audience, your client base, they're attracted to you. So they're going to look to you because you're the expert. So offer them something that can help them and also benefit you financially and communicate it to them via your email list. 
I love it. I love it. So like, don't just send them emails like we're now taking deposits. And if you're late, <laughs> like, you know, let them know who you are. Sometimes don't, don't even sell them, but just kind of, you know, build a report. Yes. So let them know who you are. Maybe share something that's going on. Maybe, you know, just kind of giving them some information, maybe even educating them, you yes. know, giving them tips on how to take care of their hair in between their appointments. Yes. And then, you know, I don't see, I see this with some people, but I don't see this enough. Client appreciation days, mm -hmm. um, just the little things. I used to give my clients, I had used to get these little, you know, those little sash bags you get like at weddings. Mm -hmm. like yeah. I used to order those in bulk and I will put just like a little thank you card, a couple of my cards, a little referral card in there. And I will put like maybe a mint, a little mm -hmm. mirror or something, or like just little gifts. So I always gave everybody a gift. And I send thank you cards out. Like when people, I sell t-shirts, when people buy t-shirts, I send thank you cards. I always just find different ways to just let people know I appreciate them. Yes. And it goes a long way. People remember that. It was this lady. She was just like, oh my God, you sent me a card and I really appreciated your card. And it seemed to really be touching for her. Just a simple handwritten note that I wrote her just for appreciating her for her services. Those things could go a long way. Sometimes it's yeah. not always just about whatever you're trying to sell, whatever your agenda is. But think about how to show the client that you appreciate that. Yes, I totally agree with that. I do the same thing. So some of my newsletters are just kind of like girlfriend talk about how to care for their hair in between their appointments. Or even some of, I always give gifts at Christmas to my clients. And one year, me sewing, I made uh, satin pillowcases and packaged them up and gave them out as Christmas gifts. Like they appreciate stuff like that. Awesome. Awesome. That's nice. I love that you talk about the end in mind because too often I don't hear stylists or beauty professionals period talking about retiring or you know, how many stylists have you seen would have a retirement party? Like this isn't something that we see. Mm -hmm. And so you need to make sure you're positioning yourself for that. So I want you to talk about that because I, I, I see that you're really trying to position yourself because you're, you're educating now. I know you have the courses and the ebooks, you have your podcast, and you're trying to position yourself so that you can make money and diversify your income and not only rely on making money behind the chair and eventually retire. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Yes, I actually watched the replay of your live from yesterday and I was like dancing like, yes, this is it. When you were talking about the, the your most recent podcast episode, um, I believe her last name was Breslin. I haven't listened to it yet, but it's on my list to listen to. But about how it's so important to diversify your income. Like what if you, you know, hurt your hand or what if, you know, you start having back problems or something, you need to be able to still make money. Uh, without being behind the chair. And I loved how you gave examples of, you know, different things you could do as far as starting your own product line. And during COVID, like I had already been working on this prior to COVID, but when COVID happened, I was really like, okay, Cherie, you have to get yourself together because like we couldn't work. I couldn't make money. And thankfully I run my business like a true business. So I was able to secure, you know, unemployment, just being honest. But, you know, a lot of people weren't able to do that. But I'm like, now I really need to get serious about my life beyond working behind the chair. Because I have hip issues right now from being on my feet all the time. And not only that, I remember, you know, just starting out and trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to build my clientele? Even though I had my friends who were, you know, loyal clients, just, you know, in high school, they're like, you know, girl, you're going to give me the hookup on my hair. You know, I needed clients who were willing to pay what I was charging. But I remember being in that space of not knowing how to build and how to be a successful business owner. So I want to teach new professionals how to do that. But working with the end in mind for me is just securing my future making sure that I'm not slaving behind the chair all the time. Definitely. And having a plan in place, like we need to start paying into retirement or putting money away. 
yes. and make sure we have a plan. Because I think sometimes, um, Silas, forget that we have all this fast money coming in, but then just like you said, you weren't able to work for those few months that we were down, you know, that we weren't able to, you know, in quarantine, that we weren't able to work. So you weren't able to work. And luckily you were able to do that. And some, you know, some people were able to take advantage of some of the grants that were out there, some of the funding, but some people didn't have their business set up accordingly. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that I really strive to help beauty professionals with is just making sure that we run our business like a business and we have a retirement plan. These are things we definitely need to think about, you know, start talking to a financial advisor and getting those things in order for sure. Yes. I was saying like, you know, when we, when we were in quarantine, like we as beauty professionals, we make too much money to not have any money. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Like we, like you said, we have this fast money and it's coming in and it's coming out. And it's going out and most of us are not putting money aside we're, we don't have IRAs and we definitely don't have a 401k because that's offered you know through traditional employment but we have to really start planning for our retirement and for our future because physically you're not going to be able to just work behind the chair then I also liked how in your in your live you talked about how it doesn't all your other streams of income doesn't necessarily have to be in your field. Cause I want to share that like I'm promoting Savvy Salon Academy and my eBooks and trying to coach new stylists, but I get more and more people DMing me about design. Like how did you do your graphics and how did you set up your website? Who did your website? And I did all that stuff myself. I use Canva. I use Squarespace. And I use YouTube to, to educate myself. So I'm actually like kind of looking into the field of technology also because I have so many people asking me about how to design. That's something else that I've been interested in, but I'm looking at that as a possible additional stream of income. Yeah, Keep your I, think open. Keep I think it's a great idea to do that. You know, sometimes I don't know about you, Sheree, but I had people almost try to, you know, lock me into this beauty box. And if I tried to do something else, they're like, I thought you were, you know, a makeup artist. I thought you did that. And I'm like, yeah, but I could do more than that. Right. (laughs) And in in order for me to get into this beauty industry and build my beauty business, I needed to have sales experience. And so when I entered in beauty, like I wanted to work at a counter or something, I didn't have any sales experience. I had to gain sales experience. And so along the way of me trying to get sales experience to work in a beauty counter, I work in a lot of different sales jobs and marketing jobs and different things like that and promotional jobs. And this really helped me to understand sales. And sometimes, you know, we're afraid to step outside because, you know, what if somebody, but you know what, don't worry about what other people are thinking or what other people are saying because they're not paying your bills. They're not putting money in your pocket. So don't be afraid to use those other talents. It's something else that you may be able to do. Like you may be a Canva expert and like it's a lady I know, she specializes in Canva and she designs Canva templates for like permanent makeup artists. And that's her niche. And she has a whole business off of that. So if you're an expert, you could offer that and you could package that up and sell it. Why not? You know, why not? not? And if that's what you're good at. And so you found you're good at building websites and you, you know, want to have a side hustle building websites or teaching other people how to do so. Go right ahead and do that. You know what I'm saying? Because it's all about diversifying, having multiple streams. It doesn't all have to be beauty. I do feel it's great to niche in your beauty area like if you're a hairstylist yeah niche down as a hairstylist but you don't have to niche down in general that doesn't mean you can't do anything else yes exactly totally agree and it's so funny when I make a post about you know building your clientele or having great customer service and someone slides in my dm like hey how did you how did you create that graphic I'm like that's not what I'm trying to promote here but I also look at it like lord are you trying to tell me something you know, should I be, you know, teaching beauty pros how to create graphics or how to do their own website to save money, you know? So I'm trying to like keep my options open and, and, you know, not be, not put myself in the box because sometimes we will will be worried about what other people are thinking 
but really people aren't really thinking about you that much like that. Like not in a bad way, but you know, you're really in your own head and you need to get out of your own head because people really might be like, you know what, girl, you should have always been doing that, you know? Yeah. And sometimes it is us because we're thinking like I may have had one or two people say something. And so now I'm thinking that's what people are going to think. Right. But it could just be like me and my head. And that's why I had to just forget about what I think people think or what people think and just do what's best for me in my business. And so I think that's a great idea. I think that would be helpful. I find a lot of beauty professionals struggle with social media. A lot of them struggle with just all of that. It's like, okay, I have to do my client's hair and make careful posts and make this look good and take a picture with a ring light with, with you know, and be the photographer and everything. And sometimes it can be overwhelming and yeah. just, you know, so I think that's a great idea, Cherie, to have a class yeah. teaching people how to create gra- basic graphics. And because sometimes let's be honest, like when you're a business owner, sometimes you can't afford always right away to hire out for everything. Now you should eventually start hiring out for things as you're trying to grow your business for sure. But some things, if you can learn how to do it, take a training for someone like you, figure out an easy way to do it. There's some things you can do yourself. Or maybe, you know, if you offered it as a service, they can hire you to do it for them or something like that. But I think it's a great idea for sure. Yes, definitely. I, I totally agree. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So tell us about your book. So the ebook I have that's going to actually be launching on November 1st is called The Client Bloom. And in that ebook, I am disclosing how to build your clientele and retain your clientele using customer service tactics and social media strategies. So I'm sharing all the things that I have done and am doing without even knowing that I'm doing it um, (laughs) to grow my clientele. And when I say that I don't even know that I'm doing it is because Like right now, I'm not focused on building my salon clientele. I'm trying to focus on building my education portion. But I still post the hairstyles that that I'm doing and a day in the life in my suite. And because of that, I've been getting new clients. So because of COVID, a lot of hairstylists have stopped doing hair. So there's a lot of people. You even mentioned, you know, we're looking for a hairstylist. So... I can make a post on social media and then I'll get a new person on my book. Cause I have my, my books online are open to everybody. I'm accepting new clients, even though I've been in the industry seven years, I have a solid clientele, but if a newbie wants to slide into my schedule, girl, go ahead. It's available. But one client in particular, um, she found me on Instagram and then she told her cousin and her cousin told her cousin and then her cousin told her mom. So I've gained like, four clients from one social media post. Wow. I love it. So I'm sharing things like that in the ebook strategies that can help new, new beauty professionals, or even, you know, seasoned beauty professionals, how to grow their clientele without even trying too hard. Cause it's not, it's not hard. It, It can be intimidating at first when you first graduate and it's like, okay, how do I get clients? But when you put in the work, or even if you have some guidance along the way, you can build your clientele relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. I know it's still a struggle for a lot of people, for sure. So I think the information that you're providing is definitely needed. Yes, I, I totally agree. I have a couple of people who will you know, send me a DM with questions about you know, how to build their clientele or whether they should go to a suite or go to a salon. Should they do blueprint? Should they do commission? So that's that's all the things I'm going to that I'm discussing in that ebook. I think it's you know the the industry is definitely shifting. Um, far as like that whole the whole booth rent and yes and everything and the commission and all those things is shifting. But I think it's for you know for good reason. And if you look at it, you know we're the only ones who really do the blueprint. I think some, you know, some other people do it, but no one does it to the extent that black people yeah, do. We do. You know? no. <laughs> For the most part, like they do, like commission based, and I can see why uh, you would do both. And I and I'm still seeing too that people 
will start off commission and they may learn and everything and then still maybe eventually go to boofering or whatever. And um, I, I think it could work for some people, but um, I think it's definitely the industry is shifting, especially like you said, a lot of people are leaving the industry too. Mm-hmm. And so there's more, you know, there's room for growth within the industry but you do have to have certain things in order. You do have to have a social media strategy. You do need to understand, make sure you're picking the right industry for you. Like whether, you, you know, the right decision, making that decision. Should you go blueprint? Should you do commission? What's the right decision for you? And just having someone with experience who has built up a good clientele, help them with that. I think it's awesome. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so I want to ask you the final questions I like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast. Okay. So the first one is, how do you define success? I define success as, I would say being at peace. And that sounds so simple, but if I'm at peace financially, if I'm at peace spiritually, if I'm at peace even physically, then I, I'm, I'm feeling successful. If I can, you know, I'm, I'm working and I'm making money and my bills are paid and I'm not stressed and worried about anything, that's success. If I can, you know, wake up and spend time in my prayer time and read a book or just something that relaxes me, sit in my sewing machine and, and sew because I love to sew and not be stressed about the everyday life issues, that's success for me. Awesome. So what's either your favorite book or book you're currently reading right now? The book, I'm re- actually reading a couple of books at all at one time. <laughs> I love to read. So for fun, I'm reading Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. Interesting. I'm, actually, I'm, in, a, I'm in a book club and we're reading that for fun. Now what is that about? Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. Like in the, I'm in the middle of the book, but the young lady in the book, the main character, she's very successful. She's single. She has a great job living out in California. She works for a news. She's like a news anchor or something. I can't exa- remember exactly, but she's dating and, you know, it's the, you know, is he the one? Should I have kids with him? That type of thing. Oh, okay. That girls go through. <laughs> Maybe I need to venture off because I'm so dorky. Everything I read is like self-development or empowerment, but I need to get some fun books in there. Yeah. Every now and then I have to throw in a fun one because yeah. I don't really watch TV. So that's my TV, you know? Yeah. I need to do that too. I used to be big on, you're going to laugh, romance novels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I used to be big on romance novels. Yep. So that's my fun book. And then for business, I'm reading Super Fans by Pat Flynn. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep, I like Pat Flynn. He has an awesome podcast. Yes, sure. he does. I actually just found out about his podcast and I've been like binge listening for about oh, a week. Yeah. yeah. I've been listening to Pat podcast uh, for years, but yeah, he has, I, I haven't, um, I'm not familiar with the book. I have to check that out. Super Fans. Yes, it's called Super Fans. Awesome. And it comes with a free course too. So that, that's a really good one, too, for, for business. And then there's a Bible book that I'm reading also. I'm reading, um, it's called The Bible in, in a Year. I have to tag you in it because I can't remember the author's name, but that's a good one, too, because it has some, it's like a workbook also. So it has some pr- writing prompts and some to-do, to-do list type things, and they are business related. I love that. And it relates it to scripture. Oh, yeah, I need that for sure. So make sure you yeah, have that one. Awesome. And I'll leave those those links in the show notes. So uh, so we already established that you're a little bit of a techie. People are inboxing you, asking you, how did you create those awesome graphics and everything? So what's either your favorite app or tool that you use to operate in business? Hands down, Canva. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> Canva is bae. <laughs> I love it. Yes. You know, it's so sad, you know, CC, the six figure chick, you know, she recently passed and I was so sad about it, but she's the one who introduced me to Canva, like through her eBooks. And 
without her, I wouldn't have even known about Canva probably or known how to use it. But since I took a couple of, or purchased a couple of her eBooks and I really dived into Canva, Canva, she used to say that Canva is bae. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, yeah. I t- I've taken some of her trainings and she was just full of knowledge and such a blessing to our industry overall. And yeah. I just love that she had everything set up that they're still running her business even as she's gone. Like yeah. I still receive, like I just bought an ebook the other day that I actually am gaining some great insight from that, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. and it had, you know, she had to create it before she passed. So that is just phenomenal. I think I definitely want to do that is to have, you know, to leave a legacy and at least okay. something great that people could still learn from and use in their business, even when yeah. I'm gone. That's powerful. Yes, very powerful. She she was awesome. Definitely. Yeah, but Canva, Canva is bang. It sure <laughs> is. Canva is bang. Girl, I use Canva, girl. Yeah. Yes, bae for real. <laughs> well, Cherie, it's been abs- an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Please tell everybody how they can find you. Tell them, you know, your podcast, your website, and all that information. Yeah, so my podcast is called The Savvy Salon. No, I'm, I'm mixing it up. My podcast is The Savvy Stylist Podcast, and my educational platform is Savvy Salon Academy. So it's at Savvy Salon Academy on Instagram and Savvy Stylist Podcast on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you. I'm going to make sure I include all of your information in the show notes. Sheree Walker, everybody, make sure you check her out. As always, stay great and we are out. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Business Beauty Network podcast. Please subscribe and support our podcast. Please share it. Share it with your friends and family. Also, connect with us. We want to hear from you. Leave us comments. Let us know what you're enjoying about the podcast. Also, email us at bbnetworkpodcast at gmail.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram at IamBrandyTaylor and at Exquisite Looks. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at Exquisite Looks. And you can check out my website at ExquisiteLooks.com. I really hope to hear from you and connect with you soon. Remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.